0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. As a true football fan, you already know, just as sure as the seasons change, the steel men are going to put some hot football product onto the field every weekend. And every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test. So why aren't you doing the same? We are past halfway through the NFL season. So come on. The time is now to get off the sidelines and get into the game with my bookie. It's the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So we can bet on how many quack quack cheers we're going to hear over the next week in Pittsburgh when Devlin Duck Hodges takes the field. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. Pick your locks for the week, put them together in one parlay bet, and when they all come through, the rewards will be huge. Are you tired of watching the game from the couch with nothing to gain? Well, bet on it and use my bookie because the best part is – they will double your first deposit. If you put in a thousand, they'll give you a thousand. That's double your initial deposit that you can use on all your favorite picks. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. C H A I R. You can use that to double your cash on that first deposit. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid.
1: words of Michael Tomlin. We struck a blow for team today. Limping through the season like the Memphis Belle, bullet-ridden, flak-battered with one of her engines shot out, the Pittsburgh Football Steelers have willed their way to a 6 and 5 season and at least temporarily a wild card slot in the playoffs. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's November 25th, 2019. This is Tom in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. And once again, we are doing pirate radio, both at work, stealing time. Steelers get it from our employers.
0: Nice. nice. I like that. And we, I think the main points of this game are a little bit clearer than maybe some of the rest of them with the finally benching of Mason the Reindeer Rudolph for Devlin Duck Hodges. So I do think we'll be able to get through this in a little bit of an express podcast. Forgive us, you guys, but we're out here grinding. Although I think, like like I was saying, our eyes did not deceive us. Uh, Nobody attempted manslaughter this week. So luckily, a little bit more straightforward stuff to talk about.
1: So not to lose the lead, I think hopefully you inferred it from the intro, but the Steelers beat the hapless Cincinnati Bengals 16 to 10. This The Bengals achieving its own inglorious record going for 0 and 11 for the first time in team history.
0: Yeah. I didn't even see that coming before this year. I knew they'd be bad a lot. Uh, there were a couple people out there saying they'd be unbelievably bad, but they're not even trying to tank. <laughs> There are other teams who are actively trying to lose and doing better than the Bengals. There are good players on the roster. Not a lot of them, but there are a few of them. I I almost can't believe how bad they are. And I think that... Obviously, that has a lot to do with how a Steelers team with legitimately a semi-professional offense was able to beat them. But I don't think that takes away from the win at all. I mean, I was nervous going into this. It is the NFL. That's super cliche, but it's hard to win games when you can't uh, utilize the forward pass. And the run game actually came a little bit alive. For the Steelers, so we'll get into that. But it wasn't like they were able to lean on that run game throughout the course of the game. So they rode a great defensive performance and a little spark with the quarterback change to a victory. And you got to give Tomlin credit. The Steelers. Also, thanks to the Jets beating the Oakland Raiders, the Steelers are back as the sixth seed in the AFC playoffs. And they get to play one of their main competitors in that playoff race this coming week in the revenge game against the Browns in Pittsburgh. So it's a pretty huge win. I don't really care how bad the Bengals are. I mean, the Steelers are the walking wounded themselves right now.
1: I know that. uh, Well, I don't know anything, but. Finley does not help Cincinnati's cause. I mean, I know that you said that they're not trying to tank and maybe this is just like, it's an acknowledgement that um, the red rifle is gone after next year. Right. He gives that, he, he endangers lives back there.
0: Right, he does. And actually, like right before, uh, within like 20 minutes before we started recording this podcast, they just announced that they're going to start the Red Rifle again. So I think some people are thinking that's pointless, but I disagree. I think the point was, hey, the season's lost. Let's take a look at this rookie Finley. Let's see what he has. Okay, he has nothing. Let's try not to go 0-16. So yeah, the Bengals agree with you. So you want to get into into this with a little bit of a
1: comparison between yeah, speaking of useless quarterbacks, (laughs) useless quarterbacks are fifty, Chet. It
0: it it has come to a head, and Mike Tomlin made, in my opinion, the right decision in benching Mason Rudolph. You guys, I think, go for it. Yeah, what do you Uh, have? I just. I'm, I'm I'm I was
1: surprised because I thought just out yeah, of maybe not out of uh, his own ego, but just out of protecting Mason. Now who knows whether Mason has a free fragile ego or not? But that they just let him finish out, maybe start the next one. Uh, benching a guy mid game is is pretty dramatic. It's a pretty dramatic signal. But as we talked about on the drive to work this morning, Mason's had enough. Uh, he has a body of work that uh, makes his performance predictable, and yeah. That uh, well, we'll get to the offensive line in a minute, but I'll,
0: I'll leave it at that. Sure. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I think the sample size is large enough now. And I have said this the whole season. I think Mason Rudolph, the book was basically out on him by his second start. I mean, and, well, the book was really out on him in college. Cause he's the same guy now that he was then he's a noodle arm. He's a guy who just does not check the box physically. And many of the skills you need to be an NFL quarterback, he's got a not just below average NFL arm. He has a terrible arm and we've talked about it as not ad nauseum over the year. Like having a good arm, isn't just about being able to throw far or, or just about being able to throw hard. It's about to be able, it's about being able to do those things while conditions aren't perfect, while you're not able to step completely into your throw because the pocket's collapsing. And it also is about like, the types of plays you can call or the types of throws you're going to make because you know, you can fit it into a pocket and he just does not have the arm strength. And there's only a couple guys ever to make it by without with arms that bad. Like Chad Pennington's like the only one I can ever really think of. And he had superior processing, mental processing skills through Rudolph. So that was, you know um, that's been writing on the wall since day one. And another thing they talk about when this guy's coming out of college is the classic Oklahoma state quarterback where Guys are running wide open. You are playing from a super clean pocket. And that's why he was able to succeed at Oklahoma State. One of his good qualities is he is big. And size is important as an NFL quarterback. It allows you to stand in there and take hits to make throws. Like Brady and Ben are kind of the two main guys with that that, uh, quality about them. And Rudolph will do that. The only problem is the throw isn't going to get to the receiver. And I agree with you. It was surprising that they benched him because it wasn't even like – he was having like a disastrous game. He hadn't thrown another four picks or anything, but, you know, he was doing the same thing he did every week, which is nothing. And I, uh, I, I want to get into the duck comparison in a second here, but just with Mason Rudolph, you know, we were driving to work talking about it today. I can't even think up five plays that he made in all the games that he started that were really impressive. I, I even have trouble thinking of one, to be honest with you. That isn't graded on a curve, you know, like, oh, what? look at the scramble he made out when he uh, and made the throw when he got injured by Earl Thomas. It's like, well, that was impressive for him, but it wasn't impressive for like a quarterback. All of his touchdowns were wide open throws or Juju mossing somebody catching it over their head. And I think they've seen what they need to see with Mason Rudolph. And, of course, how crappy must he have felt when Duck went in and hits a wide open James Washington, who does the rest on a 79 yard score? That, yeah,
1: is like that, is, injury. that is a classic definition of a spark. And I think yeah. uh, I want to, I want to caution us about, um, Duck. It's a yes. story everybody's pulling for. And yeah, I, at this point, let, let's look, see what he can do, but he clearly isn't a long-term solution. He was five for 11. He had the 79 yard touchdown and, and credit to him. It was like 30 yards in the air. And, and then Washington did the rest with his legs and the stiff arm, which is awesome to watch. I'm on my 15th view of that play. Me too. (laughs) But but he – I I charted his his passing. He goes short right a lot and misses. And a lot – so I I will talk about the offensive line. I mean, neither one of those guys was getting good protection. That is – I don't know if that that was a three-sack game for Cincinnati. Um, I'm not Mm -hmm. sure we've had that many – I have to go back and check. But that that was not uh, ostentatious. No, that's not the word.
0: Maybe we're being ostentatious by trying that to. That wasn't good. Use that wasn't good. Like
1: a, but look at look at you're Snell the one with the beginning. good vocabulary. <laughs> well, no, you're right. There's pressure right and right demands. <laughs> we but, need to relax. But when you look at Benny Snell's run for the first three quarters, I mean, he was getting nowhere, and I, I have to say, it wasn't
0: getting holes. I mean, yeah, we had. What's the guy's name? Kareth White. Yeah, I can't even remember his first name, but you're making a good point, which is that, hey, these guys don't have a lot to work with physically and they didn't have a lot to work with around them. I mean, it's practice squad receivers. James Washington, who we'll get into later um, this episode, he's your number one receiver going from basically being like the number three all year to being the number one. Side note, maybe it isn't. That bad of an option, but either way, they got guys who they literally signed off the street. Dion Kane making Randy Moss catches. Is that his name? Is it Dion? Did I just get yeah. his name wrong? Well, Kane got Kane got that nice catch on the sideline. So yeah, they don't have much to work with either. And Benny Snell isn't anything to write home about at this point. Again, had a great game. We'll talk about him later. But I, I take your point where it's it's going to be tough for anyone to make do with the dearth of weapons but especially guys like duck and rudolph so here's what i think about duck number one if for nothing else he's probably the easiest quarterback to root for in the nfl outside of gardner minchu so just from a watching experience i'm looking forward to the games now more knowing that i get a root for a dude called duck hodges so that alone i think is a morale boost not only to the team but to the city but I we've been saying this the whole time, right? I do think that Duck is a little bit better than Mason Rudolph for a couple main reasons. Number one is the mobility. He's not you know, going to run for 50, 80 yards in a game or anything like that. But he can escape the pocket and make throws on the run and make some off-schedule plays, which has – not it has literally not existed while mason rudolph has played mason rudolph is kent graham jr and it looks even worse when kent graham would come in from cordell who's making all kinds of plays and rudolph coming from ben but it is really bad and duck at least offers that potential for the big play that you can get off of a scramble the other thing that he offers And I'm going to tie this in later. This comes down to Randy Feetner doing a good job with this. But Duck's comparison to me is kind of like Case Keenum. They're these short guys with not great arms. Case probably has a bit of a better arm than Duck. But they can really succeed on play action and bootlegs. So anybody who's not – Totally on a bootleg or a waggle, you know, waggle in particular is where you fake the handoff one way and you do that big rollout to the other side. That's basically the Minnesota offense with Kirk Cousins. But with a guy who can move like duck, you're free to do those types of things. So when I say mobile, I'm not talking about like scrambling for a bunch of yards. But he's got that. And then, wouldn't you agree? This is this sounds fanboy, but it's really not. I mean, the proof's of the pudding. He's more confident. He delivers quick. Maybe he bailed out of the pocket a couple times too early in this game, but he does just seem more decisive and more confident, and he can throw harder underneath, which I really appreciate because we've been saying those moon balls that Rudolph is throwing all year to Juju, we're going to get him hurt, and it's exactly what got Juju hurt. So at least he got this guy who can dip the ball in a little bit. So I do think he is a little bit better than Mason Rudolph. But then again, I might be a little bit better than Mason Rudolph. So it's not like Duck's going to take us to the promised land. He just simply doesn't have the physical tools. All right. So there you
1: have it. And at least we now have a quarterback controversy to talk about for a few days. What do you right?
0: think? Well, I I just really – I know that he he might be a little jittery, but I know this dude is going to be psyched. He's going to be ready to play. He He's one of the – he's just a winner, you know, whatever it was. Samford. Those kind of guys, again, it's Case Keenum. Case Keenum is one of the most decorated college quarterbacks who just doesn't have the physicality to to really make it in the NFL Is a great starter. But they're just these gamers who had to learn how to play the position as a result of the lack of physical talent. And you can see every time Duck gets in the ball, he throws the ball down the field. He's got that backup quarterback mentality you always talk about when they have nothing to lose. So the thing I want to look for – is Randy Feitner going to be able to dial up some plays to take advantage of what duck does well. And to me, that's fake handoff. That's establishing a run game. You don't even really have to establish the run game. You just have to establish the play action game where you can get people moving back and forth and generate some easy completions and uh, word on the streets so that Juju actually might play this week too. So that would be a big help. So I think a lot of it rides on what the offensive coordinator and the coaching staff does with duck cause you can't just drop him back and, and wait for things to happen. And, uh, I think that he gives them a little bit more to work with than Rudolph does a little bit. Cause he also is not physically crazy.
1: So we'll let, uh, we'll let the practice, we'll let the week be our guide as the <laughs> nice. who starts next week.
0: I think it's duck. I mean, Tomlin said in the postgame presser, they asked him about who they're going to start next week. And he said, I'm not going to tell you, but I may have the answer right now where I stand. And that seemed to me, I interpreted that as like, yeah, we're going to start the guy who didn't get his head bashed in with the helmet after four interceptions and come out and not be able to move the ball against the worst team in the league.
1: Mason Rudolph, eight of 16. Better uh, ratio than Duck, who was five for eleven. But Duck did have that long touchdown and managed the end of the game. Quarterback rating of one fifteen.
0: Yeah, um, let's address let's address real quick all the tweets going out. If you took out the one seventy nine yard touchdown, then his stats were well. He threw the seventy nine yard touchdown first off. Okay. And that's what's been – like all we need is one or two plays a game from these guys. They're not going to march down the field and mount these attacks, neither one of them. But Rudolph can't even get you that one damn play, okay? And second off, yeah, he didn't play that great, but let's actually give him a week or two weeks of practice as the starter where the coaches can engineer the playbook around him because his skill set is completely different from Mason Rudolph's skill set. Mason Rudolph's a drop-back passer. That's what they're going to draw the – Game around Duck, in my opinion, is a guy who should be on the move, like I've been saying. So, like, no, if if you're saying Duck's the savior, you're wrong. But if you're saying, you know, if you're trying to take away the touchdown throw, I I get it because it did sort of seem like some sort of busted coverage, and Washington did a lot of the work, but he made the throw. And Rudolph has, you know, I don't know, I just. If they're if the Steelers are trying to win games, which they've clearly established they're doing, you gotta try something else because Mason Rudolph's probably the worst quarterback in the in the league right now. That Finley is gonna get benched, and um, yeah, I don't know. I think that Rudolph can get better as an NFL quarterback if he had more experience, but that clearly is not the agenda for the Steelers. They're not trying to groom a backup. They're trying to um, win games now, and then they'll deal with Ben's successor later. All right, the one bit of information we're going to extrapolate is Mike Tomlin's comment in his presser and
1: we'll we'll look to see if Duck starts in against the Browns in the rushing category. Benny Snell was he was like that short guy in a medieval movie who they needed to use as a battering ram for the first three and a half quarters is almost just a fruitless attack on the front line until he finally broke it open. He had a couple of, he had a one 10 yard run before the uh, middle of the fourth quarter. And then uh-huh. he picked up steam. I don't know what changed, but he ended up with 98 yards on 21 carries a respectable 4.7 yards per carry. What's really interesting. And again, I'd like to be in the room when we talk about Kareth white first, uh, yeah. six carry six carries 43 yards, 7.2 but he had that long he had that 21 yard run to sort of open up the game right
0: he had like a 10 yard or two I don't want to get too 50, excited yeah, about he that guy but 50
1: yards and yeah Go ahead. yeah
0: he yeah I don't want to get too excited about a guy who couldn't get on any NFL team but he is noticeably faster than all of the Steelers running backs including Connor that doesn't mean he's better than Connor obviously but he offers something that None of the Steelers players do. He might even be as fast as the wide receiver as this guy. So that is definitely something worth looking at. You and I were talking about that when he got in, he ripped off the 21 yarder. And I think he got like an eight or nine yarder shortly after that. You kind of wonder like, why don't they keep this guy in? But it makes sense given the fact that he just joined the team and Benny Snell probably knows the playbook a hundred times better than him and he's better in pass protection and everything like that. But I think he earned his way into some more snaps and you saw that they were, I just, I really respect how the coaching staff has been open to, to changing things. They don't make knee jerk reactions. They give players a couple weeks to get their sea legs, you know, cause we've seen it with people. Look at Bud Dupree. Who would have ever thought he would have been this good. People didn't want them to pick up his fifth year option. Ike Taylor. We've seen it. Landry Jones all kinds of people. So I like that they let people develop, but clearly Jalen Samuels and Edmonds weren't the answer. And so right when they got back Snell, they gave Snell the ball a lot and they gave white the ball a lot. Samuels and Edmonds, I believe got two carries each and Samuels got three catches, but, uh, they gave this guy off the street more carries and I respect them for not just sticking to the guys who have been on the team already.
1: Well, it's interesting. Is it, uh, no, you're right. White White is he's blindingly fast. though yeah. and He hasn't stuck with the team. And was this a matter of Cincinnati not being able to prepare for him? I mean, it wasn't that, that unusual of a play. He just he seemed to be able to hit, hit the edge and go.
0: Yeah. Or Benny, where Benny Snell him.
1: really isn't built for that kind of game.
0: Yeah, I think it was just a nice run and the Steelers don't have any guys who who can make moves like that and that's what they're gonna be looking for in the draft, honestly. It's weird because I think they actually have a nice receiving core going into next year because we'll talk about Washington in a second, but I, I really do think he's breaking out. And Deontay Johnson has clearly shown like, hey, this is a nice rookie season, especially with the crap quarterback situation he's been dealing with them. Juju is juju. So the Steelers might not go receiver like a lot of people are thinking they're going to go in the second round, but they do need a playmaker on offense. They do, do need someone who's Fast, who can break a long touchdown and White? It's good to get a look at that guy and and that's something that the rest of the players haven't been able to offer. So, Benny Snell though he it was the least sexy ninety eight yards you could see, but I think it's like four point seven yards to carry twenty one carry ninety eight yards. I think his nicest run for me was the third and one where it was a run play to the right and he just decided to cut back all the way across the formation, cut to the left. And he tried that in preseason, and the corner that came up in preseason made the tackle on him against the Buccaneers or something. And this time he got past the guy and ran for like a ten-yard gain. And to me, that was something I haven't seen from Benny Snell—an ability yeah. to, to cut it. Well,
1: what makes me nervous about him on a cutback is just his lack of steam, and I just worry Rare. about him being able to get for back some. around. Let's let's talk about the receivers. So seven seven receivers had a reception. Mm-hmm. Um, to, the two spectacular ones we've talked about the Washington reception that. That was just uh, masterful, the way he went one-on-one with, um, who was that, Webb? Stiff arm, the shoulder pad. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and Old then Steelers. went around, cut in. Yeah, it was great. The Kane, the, the Deion Kane reception, man, that was, uh, I don't know if Mason awesome. <laughs> hit that by accident, but it, w- it was a pretty good pass. And uh, Kane made a great contested catch there.
0: You got to feel good for the guy. to cut. That's the first opportunity he really gets. And that's what he does with it. Uh James Washington James Washington is really good you guys. I think that the preseason hype about him was correct. And I only think the reason why the stats haven't followed is because is because uh, you know the quarterback situation, but when he's gotten the opportunities, it has looked the same way it looked in the preseason, he's going up and he's making strong-handed catches downfield. He's stiff-arming people. His run after the catches is, is slightly better than expected, at least when he gets it downfield. Obviously, you're not going to be throwing slants to him or anything like that. But, yeah, I, I just think that you have to respect the way this dude is battling through and still improving this year. And I'm really excited if Ben can – if his arm is healed up nicely and he can play you know, the way he did last year – I think that James Washington might be a number two receiver that you don't have to worry about. And he might be able to make some big plays. So I know it was just one or two plays here or there for him, but damn, he, he really looks good and he looks strong. Is the reason we're not throwing anything to
1: running backs because nobody's worried about watching downfield. If you look at this. So um, Samuels had three receptions for 26 yard and Benny had one, one reception. Vance had one reception. We're not passing anything short the way we were at the beginning of the season. Why would yeah. that? I mean, I, you would just think that would be, you know, you'd be going to the safety valves more often. Maybe yeah. everything's just like, there's basically a safety back there, watching our three receivers, not worried about a whole lot, having a smoke, waiting till some errant pass overthrows uh, the receiver. Otherwise we we can just watch all the short passes.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of people are making too big a deal of the um, of the uh, offensive coordinator situation right now, saying that, like, oh, even if Ben was in, Randy Feetner wouldn't be able to call a good game. I, I mean, I disagree with that. My opinion is this. Randy Feetner is not that good, and the players that he's working with aren't that good. When Randy Feetner calls plays for Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown, he can get by and he's maybe an average coordinator, maybe above average with the way that red zone offense did last year. But there's only a few guys in the NFL who have shown the ability to like just scheme up success for any player that goes in. And that's obviously the Patriots, the saints, and you know, the Panthers North Turner's done a great job this year with Kyle Allen, but even that's come back to bite them in the butt and they can just kind of hand it to Christian McCaffrey every play. And that makes it easy. But Either way, maybe some of the lack of usage of those intermediate and short targets is is due to Feetner not being able to to draw up as many um, gimme plays, like little candy plays with the misdirections where the guys are going to be wide open like you see so constantly in, in San Francisco, which would be the other guy who dials up those easy plays. Let's talk about
1: the good news, the continuing good saga on the Steelers, which is the defense. I mean, holding the Bengals to 244 yards, 86 of those on the ground, Mm -hmm. um, third down efficiency looks very Steelers like it's two for 12. I think for the first
0: time and forever, somebody said recently that this is one of the Steelers best defenses of the decade. This is by a quantum mile, the best defense of the decade. None of the rest of them even approach how good this defense is. You know, Shazier's squad was coming up, but really a lot of that was him and Cam Hayward. This is a is a very good defense. I know that was a crappy team, but they have stars everywhere. I mean, how awesome is it that Bud Dupree continues his redemption tour, his star turn? really, seals the game with a strip sack. Him and TJ Watt is an absurd combination, and the talk has already begun, at least between Steelers fans, but – they have to find a way to keep bud. And who would have thought we'd be saying that before this year, like that they got to cut other players. They're talking about, you know, you got Baron Vance and, and Chicolo might be on the chopping block because you need to keep bud. That needs probably to be your number one priority this season, because having those two pass pass rushers, you see it by the end of every game, by the fourth quarter, they're both getting in there. And, TJ Watt now has finally emerged As a legit defensive player Of the year candidate He's first in the AFC in sacks Third overall He's like first in QB hits in the whole NFL Third in, in fumble fourth fumbles Fumble recoveries He's at the top of everything and I saw someone on Twitter, Ravens fan, try to put that down by, by contextualizing, hey, yeah, he's really good, TJ Watt, but look who he's done this against. He broke down every snap, and a lot of it's against tight ends and running backs. And it's like uh, if you watch the game. There are plays where T.J. Watt makes an impact on the tackle where you don't get the stat, but you force the incompletion and you force the interception by the pressure. And if you want to look up stats like that for where did Von, where does Von Miller get his sacks from or Shaquille Barrett get his sacks from, I'm sure you can find the the same numbers. That's generally how it works with great pass rushers. You eventually get them on a tight end. It's a guaranteed sack. So T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, legitimate defensive player of the years. But I really do think that all this starts up front with Cam, TJ, and Bud. So what? How does
1: a player turn around in his fifth year? I mean, we know that he's been injured, but he look, looks markedly better. It has to, be, you know, it just feels like a combination of he's not injured and now he's in the right. He's in the right position.
0: I think. Yeah, they did swap their sides last year. I yeah, I agree. I think it's a combination that he's not injured because last year it actually started looking like he was kind of turning the corner, no pun intended, and getting better. And then he hurt that shoulder and had to play, and then played the whole rest of the year with it. And there's some other greatly underappreciated Steelers like Mike Mitchell who played really well even though they were hurt the whole year and would have played even better if they had been healthy. But this, it is an enigma with him. It happens every once in a while. I mean, Ike Taylor did it. He's another one who's like, oh, no, by the end of his career, he was a top-flight corner. He wasn't just good for the Steelers. I don't know – what happened with Bud because you watch, even on the sack, he got to seal the game. He did a a fake pass rush move to a real pass rush move to a counter to when he got to the quarterback, he had the wherewithal to take the ball and then to snag the ball. It was unbelievable. That's the thing that I said for years, you can't teach that. I've never seen a, a defensive end who doesn't have bend, who doesn't have pass rush moves to learn those things. And I don't know. I just think it's a rare case where, it wasn't just the physical thing that came together; it was the mental aspect and the technique stuff that came together. And, and I don't know, maybe it's Joey Porter being gone, but he—he just—he's truly emerged because now that he has the technique, he's always had the athleticism.
1: Well, it was interesting. They interviewed Devin Bush after the game. He who uh, like kind of disappeared during that game until that that strip sat, that strip fumble he had right. or the force fumble that he had. But he did say, you know, I guess the the interviewer said man were you trying he said yeah i smacked him yeah. with the right hand and then brought my left arm yep. forearm up and so that that clearly is instinctual look listen to these numbers though this year we have 14 forced fumble recoveries 14 mm. interceptions for a total of 28 turnovers to 29 turnovers for new england last year yeah. you know how many you know how many total turnovers we got 15 well done yeah. Really? Or almost, yeah, 15. Oh, seven wow. fumbles, eight interceptions. That's horrific. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I almost get sad when I hear those numbers because traditionally turnover numbers, they can kind of fluctuate year to year because there is luck involved in getting turnovers for sure. But I think we all can agree the the turnovers are coming as a result of a great defense that's overwhelming other offenses. And next year, if you can keep this squad together, th- that's why it depressed me because it, it obviously, when we're here, we'd be talking Steelers, Ravens and Patriots as the Super Bowl contenders in the AFC with maybe the Chiefs instead of just the the Ravens and the Patriots. But what I'm trying to say is even if the turnover numbers go down next year, the defense is still awesome. And it's not just coming. I I think Ryan Clark had a couple intercept. I can't remember. It was a couple years ago, two or three years ago when we had the aberration where we did have more interceptions. And that did feel like and uh, we kind of played John Kaiser a couple times and he threw the ball right to us. No, this is a result of, of just excellent athletes and Minka getting this many turnovers. It's a result of how damn fast and instinctual he is because maybe Sean Davis would make the read the same way. Oh, somebody's making a catch. I got to get over there, but he'd be five yards behind where Minka, you know, ends up. So it may not be, he's just taking the ball away from the other team, but the fact that he's in the right place at the right time says a lot. And, Bush, like you were saying, it's a little bit quiet, but he has at least one play every game where you're saying, yep, this is the trajectory you're looking for on your first-round linebacker. So that's actually kind of a nice segue into a linebacker issue. I complimented the Steelers coaches earlier on being decisive on personnel. But this Mark Barron issue, it it is baffling. They spent money on this guy, so I guess they're going to give him every opportunity he can to succeed. But it is just not going to happen. Look at these snaps for the three inside linebackers. 55 for Barron, Bush with 36, and Vince Williams with 9. And And, Maticavich with none. That's just a travesty in its own right. But Vince Williams... It's yeah. not even close. I mean, he is so obviously better than Barron. Sure, if you line them up to run a 40, that might be the only thing that Barron's going to beat Vince in. And you're not even taking into account Vince's leadership and his experience and his ability to recognize plays and lead the defense that way. If you're taking that out of it, I, I can't believe we're this late in the season. We're still seeing those numbers. And. I, I don't know if you're going to be able to keep both of them for next year. And I pray that they find a way to keep Vince because Baron isn't only worse than Vince. Baron's not good. And he had a couple decent plays this, this game. Obviously he came free on the almost safety play, but that is an well, issue that I want to look at going forward. And that's a Keith Butler thing. And, and Mike Tomlin thing that, uh, it, you know, sort of sours how well this defense is doing. Cause I've said a bunch of times, I'm just so scared of the Steelers letting good be the enemy of great with this defense. And like, there's so much talent and it's so young on the Steelers defense. I think a lot of people could do the job that these coordinators are doing. Um, But this is one of the issues where I'm like, I I, I respect you waiting this out, but I think we've reached the point where we can pull the plug on the parent experiment.
1: Yeah. I mean, I loved his um, sack, but he he was unblocked on that play. The curious thing for me is that the fact that wasn't a safety, uh, I guess, they called him tucking the ball, tucking the ball is like curled his wrist. If that's tucking the ball, that, that is a pretty low bar. I assume. Yeah. Nick had I don't be, really know. what. looks like Nick had to go to work here real quick. It's on the bat phone.
2: Oh, yeah, man, I'm look, bat at, phone.
1: look, Vince Williams is, um, he does have, he does have significant dead cap space at t- about telling me $10 million, but Otherwise, you know, and you're going to have that whether he's on the team or not. But his his base salary is eight hundred thousand dollars. So he is not um, he's not expensive to keep. I hope. What is Baron? Seven is million up? or something crazy, right? No, Baron's actually he's a million base and he got a signing bonus. Of well, three. the overall
0: comp, the, the overall deal, yeah, his
1: cap hit is about four million.
0: Well, getting rid of him and keeping Bud is going to be a priority, and I, and I don't really know the implications of getting rid of Barron or what, you know, what the guarantee is or whatever it is. But either yeah. way, that is an interesting issue to look at. Um, but that's the inside linebackers. They still played well. They made some plays. Actually, I thought it was one of Barron's better games. It's not saying a lot. But besides the front seven, this de- the defensive backs are phenomenal. I mean, Joe Hayden – I wanted to say Joe Hayden had a weird game because – He had two interceptions that would have been nice interceptions, but he should have had them and he dropped them. But I've come to realize that's Joe Hayden. (laughs) Like It's so weird because when he makes interceptions, they're so athletic. He looks like a wide receiver. He jumps up and he high points the ball. But then he he drops the same type of interceptions as well. And at this point with his advanced age – he is a little bit up and down like that, but he's better than you know any of the starters the Steelers have for the five prior years. And Steven Nelson is easily the best corner the Steelers have had in a while. That dude is locked down.
1: Yeah, he can tackle. Joe Hayden feels a little, he feels a little maybe it. he's not like Taylorish, but circa 2019, but it seemed to be a down game. But it was uh, inconsistent. Otherwise, I'd, I'd have him back there all day long. I hope we can get another two years out of him. We got enough yeah. holes to plug without worrying about it. coming to the sense. end
0: soon. Hopefully, one. But I, I totally agree.
1: So, talk about Mike Hilton because uh, the announcers were sour on him, saying he's been he's been horrible. I, actually, that wasn't the announcers. That was one of your buddies on Twitter. On Twitter. Right? Fair, yeah, I don't I don't know what he's looking. At. I'm, I'm looking at a different game.
0: Yeah, it's, I think that he was uh, – he made a lot of good splash plays in this game. Um, he does get beat occasionally deep. He is sort of – him and Hayden are kind of like – I wouldn't call them high-variance players, but they do have some variance where they give up some big plays and they make some big plays or some deflections and tackles. But at, – at and obviously we know Minka is Minka, our lord and savior Minka Fitzpatrick. But – what I love about these defensive backs is besides the fact that they can cover, I mean, they are on these guys. It is the NFL. People are going to get open, but they can really tackle too. And and yeah. that's something that the Steelers defenses used to have. And now they have once again with these guys. So great tackling from the defensive backs. And obviously we already talked about the defensive front.
1: Uh, we talked about the defensive front. Did we talk about the snowplow that Cam Hayward? Cam Hayward. <laughs> He made during the fourth quarter. I mean just – who was that um, – I forget who he drove back. Straight back as a quarterback. Anonymous
0: Bengals crap lineman. (laughs) Yeah, he's unbelievable. I mean if you want to give the MVP of the Steelers, I really do think it's a Cam Hayward, uh, TJ Watt competition with Minka that honorable mention. Um, And another guy we'll talk about later. But, yeah, Cam Hayward, he's unbelievable. His play does not dip for a single game over the last five years or whatever it is. And he doesn't look like he's slowing down soon either. And just what a leader. It's not just the times he destroys the pocket and drives people back. On top of that, it's all the tackles he makes like 10 yards down the field when he when, you know, the ball character carrier gets past the line and he turns around and hustles and that really sets the tone for the defense and a lot of people point that out and sometimes that's like a backhanded insult in my opinion towards players like he's just got great hustle it it, it says like oh he's not a super athlete or he's not a dominant player but he hustles and he's got leadership no Hayward is both kind of like jj watt in that manner a lot of the great defensive stars in the nfl aaron donald not only do they dominate their players one on one, but they also hustle and make these heads up plays, and that really trickles down on the defense. So, yeah, he's unbelievable. Love him. Even Bugs had a couple good plays. So,
1: yeah, Bugs did. Yeah, you
0: think anyways, Bugs
1: does any landscaping?
0: Is that what you call? Well, it? Bugs is a man among boys, but he is a modern man, and I bet you does uh, work on some artistic landscaping in his own front yard. And I bet you he uses Manscaped. Because support for armchair comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Don't risk it. Hey, don't. Don't risk it. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. You're not going to cut a steak with a butter knife. Manscaped gives you the tools to get the job done where you're not going to get hurt and you're going to get the job done correctly safely quickly they also got a crop preserver they got like anti-chafing cream all kinds of guy just mm. guy stuff where you don't have to get all you don't have to bring the gold bond and, and, together and and, and, and and why are you not keeping it clean down there? I'm sure you guys are, but you can do it a little bit easier now with manscaped and the ladies in your life for the men in your life. Well, thank you out of that. And, uh, Get 20% off with us and you get free shipping if you use the code armchair at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. I think I got my point across, guys. How do you like the dynamic, by the way, of the father-son team talking about Manscaped? Well, you know what? It's a new age. And fathers, tell your damn sons. Save them the ridicule or actually gain them the prestige that will come with Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com.
1: So – most valuable player is going to go to somebody who doesn't actually play football. We're down to two players we haven't discussed yet. Shh, shh. Chris Boswell, he's really he's doing very well once again. Well, and so did Jordan Berry. He could also be, you could also argue that the guy was flipping the field all the day for the Steelers. Yeah.
0: And he pinned them deep at the end of the game. Once again, I think that's like two weeks in a row or two out of actually two out of three weeks, I believe, where he's pulled that off. And yeah, they've both played great. I actually have to run here, it turns out, in just one second. So I just want to wrap it up real quick. The kicking game, punting game has been doing well. The return game is horrific, not just because of the returners, but because the, nobody blocks anybody. Deontay Johnson, I like that he's getting his experience and now because he is a big goofy catching the ball and and making decisions to cut back and field, but hopefully he can uh, kind of weed some of that out because I do think he's the shiftiest guy for the job. And uh, yeah. And I just had a little section on coaching here, but we pretty much talked about it already. So great win from coach Tomlin. Don't care that Cincinnati's bad when you're coming with a fourth string quarterback and you're still winning games. This is a big deal. So pretty much all I got game. All right. We're
1: playing with house money. Yeah. So Let's continue the conversation on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at steelersoutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers.
0: Okay, bye bye.
2: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all.